O unsearchable mystery, God has taken our human nature. He has deigned to be born of the Virgin in order to make us sharers in his own divinity from the liturgy of Christmas. And then the end of the Coretto quote I've been using, with the, with the incarnation for the first time, the unbridgeable was bridged from above to below. So amazing statements on what Advent is really about. We've been looking at the various lenses of the Gospels, starting with the lens of Matthew, which is the lens of Joseph, the lens of Luke, uh, through the character, person of Mary. And then we switch to uh, the Gospel of John last week, and we saw that it, it's more of a metaphorical approach to the Advent story, focusing on um, light, darkness, and love. It's a completely different approach, uh, very powerful in its own way, obviously. And so today we carry on with the Gospel of John, and we come to this statement that says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for, one, for one's friends. And here we have the breakthrough where Advent is not simply about God coming towards us so that we are his subjects, but that he comes towards us so that we can move into intimate relationship with the Godhead through uh, Christ, who is coming as our friend. And so it particularly gives this new, new nuance that we relate to the Godhead, the Godhead as, as a friend through Jesus. So it's a, a powerful piece, and I want us to look at this uh, from John chapter 15. And so we see beginning with the incarnation as an act of love. John 15, part of the Upper Room Discourse, chapters 13 through 17, where Christ in chapter 13 is talking about the importance of agape love. Selfless servant love, a giving love. And, and this is really the key idea in terms of agape is that God gives of himself, he gives to us. And Jesus replicates that giving as he gives of himself for us. So it's a gift. It is selfless servant love. That's the, the picture of agape love. And we are invited to enter into that love as Jesus says to his disciples. That we are to have love for one another. So we are to move beyond the idea of competition and uh, comparison of power over model, that, that's, that's the way the world lives. That's not the way we are called to relate to one another. But it, there's a sense of mutuality in the community of faith that Jesus is inviting us towards. And often we get stuck. We get stuck in, in comparison and we get stuck in competition and we become jealous of one another. We just, we play by the world's model even though we are in this new system. Remember Paul's words to Euodia and Syndike in Philippians 4. He invites those two key women in the church to stop arguing, stop competing with each other, but to 
work together for the good of, of Christ's church. So it, it, it happened in the early church. It happens today in our own world and in our own Christian world. But we're invited to love one another, agape love, self, selfless love, giving love, giving of ourselves to others. And so Jesus gives himself. And interesting, in John, there is no sense of, you know, making payment, uh, you know, for something that's lacking particularly. It's not a ransom mentality. But it's simply giving of himself in love. And then we are invited to give of ourselves in love to one another. So that's, that's where the incarnation begins. It begins here in John with God giving himself in Christ so that we might become friends, that we might become his friends. We might move into that relationship of intimacy. That's very powerful. Can we receive that, take that? That the Lord of the universe wants us to become his friends. This is the desire of Christ, friendship. I remember once when I was uh, traveling in Bolivia with Yvonne, a friend of mine. Uh, obviously, Yvonne is Bolivian, Spanish. And I was seen as the white gringo. And for some reason, Yvonne was inside a bank, I think, and I was waiting outside in a chap comes up to me and basically says, hey, you know, what's going on? What are you doing? Um, and I said, well, you know, this is all in Spanish. I'm waiting for my, my friend. I, I just said, I'm waiting for my amigo, mi amigo. Espero mi amigo. And then his response to me was interesting because he sees me as a gringo and he says, really? Is he really your amigo? Or are you just saying that? And I said, no, in verdad, Él es mi amigo. He's my friend. It's not just a word, you know, that a, a gringo is using. Amigo, amigo, amigo. Saying, meaning, hey, hey, hey. He's asking, is he really your friend? And I'm saying, yes, he is truly my friend. And I just kind of remember that story because when Jesus uses this language of friends, it, you know, it's not just, you know, a metaphor. It's, it's not just some sort of euphemism here. I mean, it's, it's, it's true. He is our friend. He wants to be our friend, to know him, to walk in intimacy. And so Jesus uses that kind of language, and he, and he repeats it. So we hear verses 14 and 15, you are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. It's friends, the word philos. We are friends. I'm treating to you and relating with you as friends. And so that's, that's what Christ is saying. So what are some of the implications of friendship with Christ? Well, one, it, it means listening to his words, taking them seriously. Listening is obedience, obeying. To do what he commands, verse 14. That means to take on the values of Jesus. Recently we finished a series on the Beatitudes, and the Beatitudes are the values of Christ. So we're invited to take those values on. That's what obedience and listening means, that we want to imitate Christ who is our Lord and friend. 
or as Paul says, to keep in step with the Spirit, to keep saying our yes, keep repeating our yes, to hear, to obey, to listen. And then secondly, to show that we are listening by receiving his word, receiving his teaching, receiving his instruction. Jesus uses the word to abide, to remain in it, to hear it, to, to be conversant with the word. I mean, how, how else does Jesus communicate so directly with us apart from his word? He, sp he has spoken his word, the gospel speak, the epistles speak, and we are invited to hear and to go forward in it, to make it our own. So as we enter into this Christmas season now, it's can we hear God's word? Will we read and abide? It means reading the scriptures. It means making them our own. Remember, we said a few weeks back that there is a, uh, an impact, a sacramental impact of the scriptures on our lives if we will read them and allow them to pour over us. They will do their work. As we read, just let it bathe over us, then the scriptures will speak and will come to a deeper a place in our lives. So it's to hear and to engage the word. Those are some of the implications of being friends of Christ. And then he ends in 16 and 17, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commands, note, so that you may love one another. So this 12 to 17 is this little pearl in the upper room discourse where Jesus describes himself as our friend and what are some of the implications of that friendship. So in those words, we hear that we are to go and bear fruit, that, that there's the image of this vineyard, Recently, I don't know, six weeks ago or so, I was down in Prince Edward County and we visited a, a beautiful vineyard. And, and it was interesting to be right up close and to see this big vine, the mother vine right down at the soil was like this, this wide. And it grows up. Many years it's been growing. And then the branches go off. And then from the branches, are, they were heavy laden with grapes. It, it was just kind of neat to see. So the mother vine, off to the branches, the fruit. And the fruit comes off the grapes, off these branches. And, and we are those branches, and we are to bear fruit. It's just that image. Can we bear fruit? Christ wants us to bear fruit as we imitate him and as we are friends. So it's the imagery of the vineyard. Get a chance to go to a vineyard, you check it out. It's, it's quite a neat metaphor that Jesus is using there. And so then we are invited to imitate Jesus, to bear fruit, whatever way that might be, in our lives, self-giving, bear fruit in Christ. There's a neat story in Mark chapter 2, uh, verses 1 to 5. And you might remember it. It's, I think it's only found in Mark. And it's a story where Jesus is teaching in a house. And an individual is a paralytic. He's paralyzed. And a group of people bring him to the house. But the house is so full 
that they can't get in. So they go up on top of the house and, and t start taking the roof apart so that they can lower the man down to Christ. Now, it's interesting in, in the language there, it, it does talk about the men, uses just the pronoun they, but in reality, if you think about it, okay, this man is sick, so who would be the people who would take the man to Jesus and do all that work of taking a roof apart? Well, I would suggest that the men are not just men, they are friends. And so if we replace the words with the, the they and the men with friends, then it reads something like this. When he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many gathered around that there was no longer room for them, not even in front of the door. And he was speaking the word to them. Then notice, then some friends came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. And when his friends could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, his friends removed the roof above him. And after having dug through it, his friends let down the mat on which the paralytic lay. Now listen. When Jesus saw his friend's faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. And then the man is healed. It's when Jesus sees his friend's faith. That's pretty interesting. That these men are friends, and it's, and it's repeated through the text, and Jesus is amazed at seeing the faith that these friends have on behalf of the man who is sick. And he sees that and he acts. Now that becomes a bit of a window for us in terms of how do we bear fruit. So we bear fruit in a variety of ways, and, and one of it is we just help each other out. We, we do things. It's self-giving. We give of ourselves for others that we care about. We're friends. And we do an action. And the point is, is that Jesus sees our action on behalf of our friends. And then he works on their behalf through our faith. So I think of my own friends, Bonnie and Rob, who have done so much in terms of caring for Tom with his cancer treatments over these number of months. And, and They've been very active in getting him to his appointments. Bonnie has done many trips. So here are friends taking care of an individual, their friend. And Tom can only do so much because he's, he's, he's ill, cancer, getting better, thankfully. But I believe, you know, God sees that. He sees it. He sees the action of the friends and then that becomes a witness, and not only a witness, but an empowering act that is given to the individual Tom who they are working for. And we can do that in our own way, wherever we are. That's part of bearing fruit. Interesting story. That our actions generate healing work for others. The power of self-giving. So when we wonder if it doesn't make any difference if we do certain things, well, that story says it does. In fact, it has eternal consequences in our actions. So hearing that, then where do we go? 
we, we see that the incarnation, Advent, is an act of love. Clearly, God comes in love for us to the point that he wants us to become his intimate friends. And then we are invited to live as friends and indeed treat one another within the community of faith as friends. Interesting, in 3 John 15, a little epistle that we often never look at, John writes this as he concludes his letter here. Peace to you. The friends send you their greetings. Greet the friends there, each by name. So John is talking about fellow Christians here, and he doesn't use the word brothers and sisters in the faith. He uses the language of friends. Peace to you. The friends, meaning the friends in our congregation, greet the other believers in the other church, the other friends. So it's friend to friend. So John gets that. He gets that. He heard Jesus say, we are friends. And then John takes that and uses it as language for one another. So it's not an accident that the Quakers are called the Society of Friends. And what they mean by that is they treat one another as brothers and sisters in Christ as friends. So in our own community of faith, here in Weston Park Baptist Church, we are invited to actually see one another as friends. Not, not to act in cliques, not that, well, you know, we have our little group, you have your group, and we and we just kind of stay apart. No, we are friends. The scripture talks about it that way. So it's a way that elevates the dynamic of our relationship within our community of faith. May it be that we also are a society of friends here at Weston Park Baptist Church, not just the Quakers, or wherever you are hearing this. So we are to become a friend of Christ. We are to live by his values. We're to imitate that and relate to one another as friends in the faith. And indeed, we are to go and bear fruit. At the front of the wonderful chapel up at Tyndale, there's a mosaic, a lovely mosaic that the Jesuit sisters did years ago. And the, and the mosaic made up of little bits of marble are, are all different symbols that appear in the scriptures. So you look at these thousands and thousands of stones making up this mosaic that wraps right around the front, the church, the chapel. And you see images of, of crowns, of candle lights, interesting other ones like a unicorn or a pelican. And over the years, these symbols were symbols of Christ. But one that caught my eyes is simply that of the vine and the grapes, and it's used throughout the mosaic. And it's used because Jesus talks about himself as I am the true vine, and we are the branches in him, and we are invited to bear fruit. And so the sisters wanted that idea captured in this mosaic that we are grouped together friends and faith together, and we all want to go and bear fruit. So on this final Sunday of Advent, I want to remind you then that God loves you, and Advent ultimately is about his self-giving in love, that we might receive it, 
and then we might share that with others, his love. Pray that we'll do that. We'll take that seriously in these last weeks of 2021. And we offer these words to you in Christ's name. Amen.